Welcome to Voices on Art, the Van Horn Gallery podcast hosted by Daniela Steinfeld. This episode is produced in cooperation with Independent Art Fair in New York City. It will be part of the Fair's 2023 OVR. I'm Daniela, and this podcast is about my personal and also about a lot of other people's enthusiasm for art. Art can touch on all parts of life, and therefore we talk about all parts of life. I hope to get you on board and to tell you interesting stories you enjoy listening to. We're recording via the internet, so please excuse any glitches and sound quality. Episode 77, recorded March 7, 2023. My guest for this Independent Art Fair episode is Tara Downs, whose gallery went through many transformations through the years and is constantly evolving. Hi, Tara. Nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Tara, you come from an artistic background, having studied art history and fine arts, having a master's in fine arts. And you worked as a graphic designer before you opened your first gallery, and we will talk about all of that. But let's go a bit further back. Where and how did you grow up, and how did you come in touch with art? Oh, I was born in Montreal, although I would say that most people know my art story really beginning in Toronto, where unfortunately I took a very different track where I did bachelor's degree in art history. And then also a second bachelor's degree in sculpture installation at OCAD. So a little bit less of um, a graduated pull, but an amazing track for the position I'm in right now, having both like the theoretical background, but then also being able to work with artists on a very pragmatic scale, knowing what production feels like, those timelines, those pressures that... Mm indecision that you experience late at night in the studio. I'm very familiar with all of that. Yeah, you know what it means to be making things. Although for us, it's very natural. We're all living in the art world, but still okay. it's an unusual path. So how did it happen for you that you became so fascinated by art that you wanted to spend your life doing this? Yeah, it started early for me doing an art historical program that was quite Amazing, but also conservative, I found. Really, it only went up to the 70s. And as I spent more time studying it, I just wanted to know more about the art world now. How does it function? Learning about artworks by Felix Gonzalez Torres were just so mind-blowing. And I wanted to get a greater proximity to that at all times. So... Slowly, I developed the understanding that maybe being an artist was a way to really graze up against that a lot closer. So I switched over. Uh, obviously, my parents at the time were saying, please don't do it. So what did your parents say? Did they go with you to museums or, or how was it that you developed this interest? No. I mean, not at all. I think I was very much the black sheep. My stepfather was a, com a company man at IBM. My mother was a nurse. I remember sitting them down very early on and kind of telling them like that I wanted to become, I think I was wanted to become a director at the time, a film director. And maybe that was the first flag for them that things were going not <laughs> to their desired path. How old were you then when you said that, when you wanted to be a film mm -hmm. director? I must have been 14. So you came with this kind of like very strong will already. 
Yes, I think I've always been known for my strong will. So <laughs> maybe they were somewhat prepared. Okay, and then you really you went through with it. Yes, exactly. And your parents didn't have a say in it. I mean, they they had a say and you know, they expressed their opinions on the matter, but at the same time, the pull is just too strong and I really knew in some way that this is the path that I wanted to be on. It didn't make sense to think of how much I knew about the art world at the mm -hmm. time was obscenely little considering <laughs> my level of passion for discovery. Which might be good, actually. Yes. Because then you kind of like grow gradually into it. Exactly. And I think the challenge to approach this field, which can be, you know, very off-putting, mm -hmm. somewhat gatekeeping at times. I really wanted to pull back the mystery leaf by leaf and just to learn through experience. And it was upon graduating from art school that I went down the traditional path of with a bunch of friends, getting a studio together. We had the spontaneous idea that we would throw an art show or like put up an art show on the weekend mm. and we would document it. This not to age myself, but blogs were becoming a thing at the time. <laughs> so to document and to put it online and to share it with peers that were in New York, in Europe, essentially just outside of Toronto, which You know, I love that city, but I also saw the drawbacks. It was an art world in development, and it could feel very regionalized at a certain point. You know, people moving between maybe six different galleries to have solo presentations. Yeah. So we wanted to bring in artists that were not showing in Toronto, but we respected I guess, as we perceived it more globally or reflecting the larger art world that we desired to participate in. Yeah, I understand. And that is also how you started already exhibiting other artists very early on. Yes. As an artist still. Exactly. I mean, we did that cycle once before realizing exactly how much work goes into putting on an exhibition. Oh, yeah. Bottom to top. So at that point, I gave up my studio to become more of a permanent part of the gallery. And myself and my two other co-directors dedicated ourselves to pursuing a greater program. Mm -hmm. And was it a gallery from the beginning? I mean, were you aware that, you know, it's not only mounting exhibitions like in an artist space, but suddenly... This whole also financial responsibility comes. A lot of things come by running mm -hmm. a gallery. Have you had any idea what that means? To think back, our collective enthusiasm for the project just far usurped any of those concerns. Yeah. And we really just took ourselves so incredibly seriously. <laughs> And the program really was like nothing else that was happening in Toronto you know, bringing new practices that no one knew, you really started to get a clear vision of just how much work it was to also introduce new practices that were very materially forward-looking, you know, conceptually forward-looking. Maybe they had cemented careers in 
Oslo or New York, but when coming to Toronto, where there isn't that peer-to-peer connection, you're really forging that for people, which became such a huge part of my overall narrative as a gallerist, finding what I consider sometimes to be undervisibilized or nascent talent and fostering that and creating that very early dialogue and narrative for people who are unfamiliar with the practice. Now it is like second nature to me, but it started quite early as an ethos. You've been in Toronto, then you went to Berlin and then New York City. Mm -hmm. And everywhere there are different networks, different people, Mm -hmm. a different way you have to approach things. If I would imagine to like build up a gallery in different places and be successful with it, that is really, really hard because you have to forge all of that by yourself. How did you do that? I mean, when people ask me if they want to start a gallery, I'm always a little tentative to ever say yes, knowing that it is such a hard industry, but Mm -hmm. also knowing how hard work really mixes with luck and knowing the right people at Mm -hmm. the right time. Like it would be impossible for me to replicate this process or this path that I've been on with someone else. Just so many synergistic moments where someone who steps forward is equally as passionate, willing to help you. You have like, you know, this kind of vision together for how to have a working relationship and so much productivity can come of it. And it's just that feeling of without being overly cheesy, being quite (laughs) blessed, you know? No, no, I find that interesting because I think in the art world and galleries are so fascinating because they're part of a business world and they're part of an artistic world. And that's very unusual. They're very, very creative and very unusual and very individual businesses. And I find it so fascinating because you can't really make a plan. You have to kind of just go for it. I find that interesting how different the people approach that and how the different paths are. Yeah, I truly agree. One question that always spooked me a little bit when I moved to New York and I had restarted my first gallery here was, who are you? Are you the new Marion Goodman? Are you the new, like kind of basing your philosophy on the greats? that already exist in New York and like modeling yourself after a type of school of a gallerist. And maybe because my path at that point had been so neandering and unique that it was almost an obscene question to me. Like, how could I possibly have that narrative? What did you say when somebody would say that? How did you react I was honest with them that I couldn't imagine. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to me Mm -hmm. because the path that that person was on could never be my path. It's a different art world. I mean, even now I say like the art world five years ago feels different than the art world today. There are different players. There are different artists. There are different agendas. People who were there five years ago maybe have taken a hiatus. New people have come in, changed the energy. To think of it as being so consistent and linear seems problematic to me immediately. When you're talking about energy, could you name the shift that had happened in the past few years? How that is different? 
I mean, there's so many different factors. And also, at the same time, my growth as a gallery puts me in different positions to the art world. You know, I'm no longer running like an incredibly modest space on Eldridge Street, you know, like the problems change, the artists grow, you have wonderful developments, and then also the challenges that you face continually change. Again, this is maybe what I really enjoyed about the art world, or I continue to enjoy that it is this industry that is ever shifting and ever challenging you to develop further. Like even being a gallerist, I think of as a type of art form, you know, Mm, something that you can, I'm a very sharpened blade that's been like refined for this very particular task, you know, (laughs) it's rather esoteric. So you feel like being a gallerist is kind of like your calling. Yes, I think I would be hard pressed to do other things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As you said in the beginning, it's like a super good preparation. Yes. Like the historical part is a Mm -hmm. good basis, but especially knowing the creator's part. That's maybe even the most important because I think of myself as a gallery that works and prioritizes working with extremely talented people. I've really exited the model that sometimes can exist in New York, where New York gallery, New York artists, New York collectors, rinse, repeat. You know, the vision extends so far and also the collector base ends up reflecting that because you end up meeting people from all over the world who are already interested in the artist or come to it once you're showing it. So it's such a pleasure to have this really larger vision for the gallery. And it's also what's made it so incredibly successful. It's not a program that borrows from one other peer gallery and we have this back and forth. It's a very individualized and unique thought pattern that's developed. So it makes it quite special. And I think the artists enjoy it as well, like learning and following along, like who's coming into the program and having this connectivity with the people as they transit into New York and as the other artists move around globally as well. Yeah. So who is first? First, you see an artist or do you have also sometimes just like, I wouldn't call it strategy, but an idea of what you're looking for and then you find someone? I think it's a process that is so naturalized to me that it's sometimes hard to describe how you find an artist. Mm. I will say that I think it's mutual, that the artist is also putting themselves out there. I also think that there is a sense of timing because a lot of people are looking for new artists all the time. You know, you would think that me and all my peer galleries are looking at essentially the same amount of artists and looking in the same places. But it's also looking at someone's practice and a touch of fortune telling, I really think of it as. You're not thinking of maybe where they are right now, because I like to work backwards, where if we're going to start a relationship, it's probably going to take nine months to a year to fully develop. So also thinking of where that practice is now and where that practice could be if we work together for nine months to a year. 
and kind of like come together on a strategy for presentation and exhibition making and like really a philosophical agreement of how we would like to work together. So you have individual relationships, very individual relationships with all yes. of the artists. Truly. Like I think of myself as a little bit of an artist whisperer <laughs> because I really do like to get into the studio with them and like be very honest also about the business side of art, not in a way that's repressive, which I have heard of, you know, certain gallerists being very too business focused mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of leading the practice in a very forceful way. But working with young artists, sometimes they're coming to the art world with incredibly fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. So also pulling back the curtain for them and like helping them through this process as well. And understanding that it is really, it sounds sort of like so little like a job, but that it's a profession. It's a profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not something you just do in your studio, but there's a whole gamut of things you have to know about as an artist also. Absolutely. And I feel like I have so much empathy for young artists because equally as tough as a profession, and mm. it can be honestly a minefield of problems, especially if you hit a certain amount of success. It's a very difficult path and very individualized at the same time, impossible to replicate but you're helping them through the blow by blow of what they're experiencing. And, you know, they need kind of a spirit guide along the way as well. And someone who's deeply invested in their long-term success. And that could be as simple as making sure they have an amazing accountant that year. You know, that can be a pitfall on its own and not wanting them to fall into those type of trappings. That's something you also provide? Yeah. I provide the conversation and then I try to encourage them or reach out to other artists for those types of resources and put them in touch with people who can help them in that capacity. Mm -hmm. But you're not only working with uh, super young artists or emerging artists. You also work no. with, with older artists or with artists that are yes. like so-called rediscovered. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So I, <laughs> I like the term so-called. It's true. There can be these moments where because of timing or circumstance or... Or being a woman. Or, yeah, yeah. You're being a woman. Your career can just not have the jet fuel that your mm. other peers have at the time and can be heavily undervisibilized. Or maybe you changed cities And like that narrative was kind of detached from how you started your practice. And it's such a pleasure to put a spotlight on those practices. Also for me to just, I love to lean back into my art historical education and just like immerse myself in their practice, ordering all of their backlog of catalogs, anything that they've been published in knowing that deep dive, going through their archives, like that is such a pleasure. And it also gives you so much perspective on the arc of someone's career. And that, again, it is not a linear process of just like upwards trajectory towards, quote unquote, success. Like mm. everybody goes through a multitude of 
phases and transitions or living multiple lives within the art world. Having empathy towards that process and then being supportive to them in ways that maybe they hadn't experienced Mm -hmm. in a long time. But you also, as you said before, you grew and you're not like the small upcoming gallery anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have a team yes. you work with. And so how does that work? How do they support your vision? Or is it, a, is it sort of like a shared vision? How does that work? With the people that I work with, I think of them just as the artists I work with. Like mm-hmm. I want to work with incredibly talented people. One of my best friends is a CEO. And I think the best piece of advice that he ever gave me was that Your life will only get easier by hiring just the most talented people at every level of your business and really, really just seeking them out, never going halfway with that because you need the jet fuel behind you with the team. That helps exponentially. You can both waste your colleagues' time by hiring people who are just underinvested in your business and that can also like hurt the morale overall Uh so I think it's really supporting people I still work with one of my original interns from eight years ago at the gallery in some capacity so like there has to be something in this formula that is working because people they're committed to my vision and it's it's wonderful to have that closeness with someone as a colleague and know that they've seen the gallery go through so many phases and they're so intimately acclimatized to where it is going. Yeah. And as I said in the beginning, it went through so many phases and now you're just starting a very new phase with the gallery. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So the gallery is now called Tara Downs Gallery. And I'm excited for this new chapter. We just took on a new location in September at 424 Broadway, the borderline of Tribeca and Soho. And, you know, with the new space, maybe I should say this first, that there are very few opportunities to just celebrate new chapters. So a new name, a new space. It's so invigorating, not only for our clients and like people who follow the program, but also for the artists, you know, new bones to for exhibition making can be incredibly enlivening for everybody. And I love the process of building out our space. It was such a pleasure. Also, again, doing a more deep dive into Soho spaces, thinking of like Paula Cooper space, thinking of the old artist space in Soho, borrowing characteristics of those spaces and also not doing too much. So it's a pleasure to like create a vision for the artist to operate in. And then also having our first exhibitions as Tara Downs Gallery. The Independent is going to be our first art fair as Tara Downs Gallery. So it's obviously an incredibly important and meaningful platform for us. Before we go to the independent, did those changes and challenges never scare you? Do you always only see them as chances? 
Oh, <laughs> I'm sure there's always lots to be trepidatious about, but I've also been doing this for over 10 years. I mean, I started incredibly young, but I'm deeply acclimatized to the process. It's really second nature to me right now, even though I love new challenges. I think you just have to forge on. I don't know. There's no, when you're so comfortable in what you do, I think there can be self-doubt, but you know, the gallery is bigger than me. The gallery is the staff. The gallery is the artists who, who are constantly so supportive and excited about what is coming up and what is happening next. So you do feel very fueled by their enthusiasm as well. So it's it's a team effort, absolutely. Yeah. Before you had a partner who's not part of the new gallery anymore. Yes. And sometimes I think that it might be because if you're used to just exchange all the, your thoughts, but this is replaced by the connection to the artist and to the team then. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, I would say my clients and collectors who I consider friends and are supportive, they follow along very loyally and are interested in this new chapter and vision equally as much. So it's nice to feel really enforced from all sides. So you included the collectors also in that conversation and they know about the changes and they're supporting you in that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they're an important part of this process as well. And they're thinking of the artists and what is happening. And collectors are also could be like a little gossipy sometimes. And <laughs> they also want a peek behind the curtain and mm -hmm. to know what's happening, you know, so obviously, I'm happy to like, let them in on this process as well. It's exciting, you know, change while scary, also is invigorating. And It can't be helped. I think I actually wrote to Elizabeth D about this. Like we all live many, many lives in this art world. And there's so many points of transition. Nothing is ever stagnant. So I think it's good to embrace it. Yeah, Elizabeth knows best about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so many other persons in the art world can relate as well. Yes, absolutely. So as Tara Downs Gallery, what will be your first project for the Independent Art Fair this year? We are doing a rather acidic intergenerational <laughs> booth. It's four persons grounded in the mainstreaming of, uh, how could I put it, like a post-porn pictorialism. We're going to have new works by Daria Bajabek, Marie Carlsberg, Catherine Mulligan, and Jacqueline Frazier. Each one of those artists addresses um, the urgency of appropriate vocabularies and kind of organizing female sexuality and identity, if you were to put it kind of succinctly. What mediums are included? It's really a diversity of mediums. I mean, Marie Carlsberg performances and paintings with those she parodies, reverence for expressive masculine gestures, With the works that we're going to be showing, she imprints the outline of, well, I guess her ass, you know, <laughs> rendered very tastefully in the medium of gauche onto replica paintings from what I could call maybe the mainstay bad boys of process-based painting. I'm thinking 
Daniel Buren, Merlin Carpenter, Albert Olin, Christopher Wool. Similarly, Daria Bejebek, her work contemplates very extreme femininities, contrasting tropes of Western beauty with cold fangore, porn hub, true crime imagery, dark web sources. That sounds exciting. Yeah, I think one of the unofficial titles for the booth is like, this is the new hardcore. Okay. So it definitely has quite a grip it and rip it sensibility, but there's something I love, like this grouping of women who just have like this very unrelenting aesthetic, aesthetic and philosophy. It really seems to exist on this very uncomfortable knife's edge, like women owning their sexuality in this very like terse, humorous and winking manner. I think it's an uncomfortable position, but at the same time, so necessary. And, you know, maybe I also just feel a closeness to that as well. It's very empowering as a position as well. So I'm excited for to kind of bring that to the independent as well. Yes. And how do you hope like the conversations with the audience will happen there? I think that's something for me to also look forward to. I think that we are in a moment in New York, if I could complain for a second, that can be a bit of a wash of pretty painting. And I think sometimes it's good to flip that switch and just be a little bit more how would you say just a little bit more rebellious punk (laughs) rebellious also just like maybe a little bit more on the nose thinking of like contemporary meme and pop culture as well so I think it really speaks to the contemporary vernacular that a younger generation is experiencing and I think that collectors also look for that new language. How is imagery and understanding and sexuality, all these aspects being portrayed now by women, through women, you know, it's a thought pattern that's close to my heart, I suppose. So that will be very interesting to see. Yeah, because sexuality is such a tight issue. And it's kind of like you have to balance on the edge of so many different people and feelings and so many different opinions on things. Yeah. It can't be wishy-washy. It it has to be on the point, you know, it has to have a blade, how to say that, you know, Mm -hmm. the art has to be sharp. And so probably some people might not like that. How would you address that? I mean, I think that comes with the territory, actually. Mm -hmm. I was joking with one of the staff members that we might need to have an R rating somewhere around our booth. But also, some of the artists in this booth have received direct pushback for their work because it exists on that knife edge. Mm -hmm. And sometimes misperception can also be bred from that position, or it makes people just deeply uncomfortable about the, you know, the mirror that is being held up. I think sometimes people read the work as maybe being you know, while exploring these topics, also thinking of them as being quite literal. So there is, I said at the beginning that it is a rather acidic sensibility because there is a lot of humor and there is a lot of knowing what they're doing and the language that they're using. 
it's the language of provocation and it's being used as such, you know, it's the language of media and the media cycle as well, kind of like turning that back onto itself. I think it's great if art can provide that again. It does not hurt if art hurts, you know, so to say. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's what it's meant to do best. Yeah. Congratulations on that bold statement. Thank you. I wish you yeah. all the best with that. And, <laughs> and thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's such a wonderful time to speak with you. This was a special Voices on Art episode created in collaboration with Independent Art Fair New York. Listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the platform of your choice, on our website van-on.net, and in the Independent OVR at independenthq.com. Follow Independent Art Fair on Instagram at independent underscore HQ and the podcast at Voices on Art and at van underscore horn underscore Düsseldorf. Thank you for listening to Voices on Art, the Fan Horn Gallery podcast hosted by Daniela Steinfeld. Stay tuned and connect. <laughs>